Okay, welcome back for the second episode of Erudite. I'm going to call it Erudite Podcast. That's just what we've named it. Um, and got someone quite big in the, in the whole online space in general, particularly in Twitter, and then, of course, on Instagram and TikTok. And someone I've learned a lot from, someone I've looked up to, as someone I've worked alongside. So we have Shaw. We have Shaw Brenner here. So a lot of you guys are going to know him from, I would say, particularly Twitter, but then, of, of course, for, from other platforms as well for, for various reasons. Um, you know, super successful. Uh, content and ads agency owner um, and, and, and a mentor to a number of people I know as well. He's, he's helped a ton of people grow their agencies. Um, and so, yeah, Shaw, welcome to the pod. Great to have you on here. And, Thanks for uh, having me on uh, Erudite. How, how did you come to the name Erudite? It's a word that I've just, that that kind of just gripped me the first time I ever read it. So probably my, my favorite author is Nassim Taleb. I'm sure you know him from, from Black Swan, name, Fragile, yeah. all, all that kind of stuff. So I was, I was, kind of just thinking this this is going to be the the, the way i see it segueing in future is just way way outside of the the online space um but an erudite is essentially a person who who exhibits <clears throat> or has displayed like great extensive learning across multiple multiple <clears throat> different domains like an auto like an autodidact for instance someone who who and taleb would be like that the guy speaks like nine languages and is like a a, a trader who he's, he's a, a trader for in, in new york and all this kind of stuff as well so he's a bit of a bit of an oddball but um yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. Kind of akin to a flaneur, in a sense. I'm sure you know. Flaneur. But um, a flaneur, we all love that word. Yeah, but, um, that's a good Twitter yeah, word. A good Twitter word. But, but man, for, for people's background, because obviously I, I know I know, a ton, you know quite a lot about your background, and I'm sure a ton of people will from Twitter as well. But for the people who don't, could you give a background of who you are? And I guess particularly in the business sense, it's probably going to gravitate towards that. And we can just take it from there. Yeah, I mean, so at the minute, I'm I'm in the the agency space, and I've been in the agency space for the past three to four years now, and I've owned three different agencies in that time frame. The, the one that I currently have is the one that has occupied the most of that past three four years. Um, and before that, I was kind of in the the e commerce dropshipping space, um, and that's actually what I got on Twitter first for, which is this dropshipping stuff. Um, and it was a whole black hat strategy, crazy like. I had 50, you know, fake PayPal accounts with all these crazy black hat strategies. And, you know, like at some point I was like, damn, am I breaking the law doing this? Because it was just, it was just printing money. And, <laughs> and then eventually that, that whole thing got patched up. It was kind of like a loophole inside eBay and PayPal that I could actually run with that strategy. And then eventually yeah. they were like, all right, they made this announcement that in the next year they're going to be patching it up. And I was like, all right, I need to transition into something that's more like, you know, foundational. That's actually like, because if you're an expert on like this hyper niche, like, you know, making money method, if something ever goes wrong with that platform, like you're done, like you have no yeah. transferable skills. So I was like, right, I need to actually start, you know, transfer like learning skills that I could move into other businesses. And no matter what happened to that business, I would always still have the skills. So I bought a bunch of like courses and coaching programs. And, you know, I started learning about like the agency world and I started off in the in like the Facebook ad space, running ads for like financial services companies. I was doing that yeah. for about a year and a half, two years, quite successful. I got it up to our biggest month in that agency, I think was something like 45K, which nothing, nothing crazy by a lot of agency guys standards, but you know, for like your first agency, that's, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Months were, were quite consistent. And I was running out for a long time. And then um, alongside running that, because I was getting all my clients from cold email, I was like, right, well, I could very easily do this for other people. 
And I was doing that for probably about a year, a uh, year and a half, alongside the original agency. And, um, you know, I, tr I transitioned over to that. I had a bunch of clients. It was doing decently well. Um, not as consistent as the, the ads agency because, and we can touch on this in a minute, but obviously MRR yeah. model is much better than, you know, strictly pay, like paper call or whatever. If you want to do some kind of performance, it's better if there's like a money stream coming in and you can take a chunk of the money way better. Yeah. Um, and then after a while, basically I started focusing on my personal brand on like with video, TikTok and IG and I was helping out a couple other people with theirs. I was like, you know what? This is like kind of something that I enjoy to do, like actually enjoy because the other ones I didn't really give a shit about. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I transitioned over into this. I was still running the other two agencies, but then I transitioned over to my current agency, which is a content production agency with monetization built in. We build offers and systems and everything for, for entrepreneurs. Um, and um, I much more enjoyed that. And that agency far surpassed the other two combined. So I was like, right. Um, it's time to put 100% focus into this, and that's not what I've been doing for the past two, two and a half years. Just 100% focus on my current agency, and uh, I guess that's kind of like the business background, the business story. Um, yeah, hopefully that was that yeah. was enough. That's that's very helpful. It's it's interesting even hearing how you think there because it's exactly like what you were saying about transferable skills. And like we were getting into, you know, for. In the very beginning, I remember when you were kind of talking about your your business background. I know you started off cold calling local businesses, which is pure yeah. trenches. That is yeah. that is absolute trenches, and <laughs> it's almost something you're you're jealous of when you hear someone else has done that. You know, when you're at a level that you don't have to do it, you're like, damn, I kind of wish I kind of wish I savored all of the trenches, sampled all the, all the the different facets of it. But there, when you're talking about transferable skills, it's interesting how you're you seem like someone who's just looking for principles more than anything. So you're. You're, for you, I would say still that core skill set that has, that has, I suppose, uh, you know, kind of vaulted you up to this level is definitely through the, the business development side, because people don't know that like you understand that at a pretty, pretty ridiculous level as well. Like you're really for, for any offer, I'm sure you can plug a calendar. And yeah. so it's interesting there. What would you say kind of, would you say this? what would you say are almost the foundational skills really that have that have have gotten you there and has it been that kind of principles thinking that has enabled you to do that yeah so the foundational skills i mean in my business i handle kind of you know the, the lead generation side and also service delivery because like i said i own the lead gen agency and i also built my own personal brand to 80 90k on tiktok over 60k on ig like i know how to do it for myself and so i transferred that over to the clients and so, you know, I understand, I understand how to get calls. I understand how to keep them, uh, make sure they get to the call, make sure they come to the call informed. I understand how to make offers. I understand how to brand the site. I understand how to build a personal brand from scratch, like create ideas and, and, and visions and things that will actually lead in eventually to a product. Um, and so, and I learned scale, uh, sales a little bit, but it was never a strong point of mine. And so that's why I'm thankful to have like my business partner, Kaz, and he's much, much better at sales than I am. And so I'm, you know, and vice versa, I'm much better at lead gen and more of the service delivery side of things than Kaza. So we have like these complementary skill sets that, that, that come together really nicely. Um, but yeah, like going back to like the, the, the cold call and stuff, like I think that probably helped me more than anything because you learn kind of this like grit almost. And like you and I both know, like growing up in Ireland, all the sports are tough, right? You've got rugby, you got yeah. hurling, you got GAA, you got everything, you got all these like tough, hardcore sports. Yeah. And so when you're growing up, you kind of learn that grit anyway. It's like, you know, kids in America that were like wrestling from a young age or playing American football or yeah. whatever. They just have like this built-in grit. 
And when it came to the business side, it was like, right, well, I need to dig into that same sort of emotion in the, in the same way, but except for business, where I would literally be on the phone and I had a Skype subscription and I had a bunch of, I had a spreadsheet with thousands of leads uh, that I got from D7 Lead Finder, which if you know anything about lead gen, it's the yeah. shittest quality leads you could possibly get. They're, they're dog shit. And yeah. I just like was literally copy pasting the numbers into my Skype subscription and just fucking cold calling like financial services firms, getting rejected by the decision maker, people telling me to fuck off, all these things. But I literally got my first high ticket. I got my first low ticket client and my first high ticket client both from cold calls. Because if I actually, you know, uh, wind back the clock maybe two years before that, I was doing, it's kind of funny, I came full circle because I started off with social media marketing. I left it, went to dropshipping, then came back to it later. And the first yes. ever client I had, I was... I think I was like 19 or something like that. And um, I was doing the same thing. I was just, I had Google Maps of Belfast, my city, on the computer. And I would literally just type in like, you know, restaurants, Belfast. And I would just go through a list of restaurants, get the phone numbers and be like, yeah, can I talk to the owner? Basically, I'd be like, all right, uh, what else? Like doctors, dentists, chiropractors, Belfast. And then I got to like jewelry stores, Belfast. Everyone was like, nah, fuck off. And eventually I got through to this jewelry yeah. store. And the, the woman was like, yeah, come down, you know, we can talk. And I went down and wore like a shirt and like a nice coat and like brown shoes and all. And like I was dressed up. Yeah. And the entire, I was driving my shit car. It was a Ford, like some 1990 something Ford Fiesta. Terrible banger, car. Yeah. I parked it around the corner so they couldn't see my car when I rocked up. And, and uh, I I was listening to Grant Cardone's survival, a closer survival guide the whole way down to the car. Yeah. And I went in and it was, it was the most awkward thing ever. It was, I was wearing like a blue shirt. So my sweat patches were like this big and oh, uh, man. ended up closing her for like 500 quid. Uh, just for like, I'll take, literally was like, I'll come down take pictures of your, of your rings. I'll post them on Facebook. I'll run a couple competitions and get you likes. So she's like, okay, 500 quid. I was like, right. Well, um, you know, how much do you want to give away in this competition? She was like, oh, like five K's worth of jewelry. And I was like, what? Holy shit, five, so you want to give away 5K worth of stuff? <laughs> no problem. So I did that. I ran this competition in Northern Ireland and it, they got something like 10,000 likes on their page within like two weeks. And they had like wow. literally the population of Northern Ireland is like 1.5 to 2 million. The, the competition had more viewers than the entire population of the whole country. So like they were blowing up. They were wow. popping. They were popping. And uh, yeah, they were getting hundreds of comments on their thing. Like I guarantee you they've made millions off what I did for them. Um, but after yeah. like three months, they were like, what are you doing for us now that we can't do for, us, for ourselves? And I was like, huh, interesting. So they just, they, they got some, like her niece or something to take over uh, and just copy exactly what I did. So I went to the dropshipping world and then I came back to the e-com world, uh, sorry, the, the agency world. Yeah. And I applied the same tactics. I just fucking cold called people. And then I got on the phone with this uh, like Asian financial advisor guy in Chicago I cold called them, literally had like four or five sales calls with them and closed them for like three K a month. I thought I was, I thought I was like Jesus or something. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. That, that story, I can imagine how blunt people could be in person, you know, or let's say how blunt it could be, you know, cold calling, you know, going through chiropractic centers and all that to be like, no, go away. Like in, in yeah. very emphatic fashion. Of, of course, if these people are stressed and stuff <laughs> like that. And so it's, it's not, not too much of a priority for them in that, in that particular moment. 
but yeah, dude, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's it's absolute trenches. I can imagine just going in. Remember, like Josh and Drake and Josh when he's doing the weather forecast yeah. and he has like the patches going off oh, the thing. It was so bad. Yeah, I didn't want to take Stop off my that. coat because I knew that I had the patches that big, so I kept the coat on, even though it was like the middle, <laughs> it was like the middle of winter. It was freezing cold, or sorry, not winter. It was a uh, um, it was in like spring summertime. It was actually quite hot, so I kept the jacket on, and I was just sweating like crazy. And I was like, all right, I have to keep it on because if I take it off, I'm just gonna be you know it's gonna be embarrassing but yeah it was funny times yeah. it was that was the first it's, money that I, that I made online it's was, it was quite interesting it's interesting there yeah it's like that background of of legion and then also drop shipping it's like a ton of guys who go on and do very successful whether it's with a brand or with an agency or even with software i've seen now recently it's like it's a ton of people who started in drop shipping it seems like the skill set that seems to be acquired as well in that actual e-com skill set is insanely beneficial I think future. I think if you're doing dropshipping the traditional way, then yeah, it's more beneficial because the way I was doing it wasn't the same way that everyone else was doing it. Because everyone else was like dropshipping from AliExpress through Shopify using Facebook ads. So like you were running ads, you were learning how to write ads, you were building stores, you were maybe getting into logistics if you if you you know got past the dropshipping stage, you got to, you learned branding, all that stuff. Me, I was literally just reselling items from Amazon to eBay using some automation software. So like if there was an item on yeah. Amazon for like a tenner, I'd sell it on eBay for 12 quid and people would buy it. That was literally it. There was no ads. There was no traffic. It was literally like copy paste this item over here because it has a history of selling over here and people will buy it. And then I, I ramped it up to like 50 plus stores and it was just printing because like through that black, wow. black hat you know method. So if I had actually... Um, started on the, the, the Facebook drop shipping side, it would have been way more beneficial because I would have learned copy. I would have learned all these extra like applicable skills that even if the business did eventually fail anyway, I still would have those skills about writing ads and, and, and everything. Whereas like when I was coming from the, the space that I did, I didn't really have transferable skills. So I had to literally start from scratch by a bunch of courses, a bunch of coaching and just like really immerse myself in the whole thing. Yeah. Dude, that, that's insane. Yeah. It, it's interesting there. So this is another thing I, I've noticed. And I actually referred to this when I was chatting with, with Daniel Fazio was this concept of, let's say, just learning those skills, really this fact that, that I'm seeing that no, none of that effort there was wasted. So let's say the two agencies that you had prior. So obviously you were, you're running ads with, with financial services companies and you're, you're, you had your own lead gen agency as well. So none of that effort was wasted. Like, yes, you have this idea of if you were compounding and let's say you just picked a fantastic opportunity you know within the agency space and then you're compounding in that for years yes that would be preferential but it's highly unlikely that your first thing you pick is going to be the thing that you stick with yeah and so even for me starting with closing after a while i just realized that was that was really really not, not for me it's it's interesting how those skills that you built then also allowed you to almost bide your time in, in one respect and then see okay what's what's the best opportunity I can use with the skills that I have accrued at this stage. And that almost seems like what happened with, with obviously with your, with your content marketing agency and obviously your content marketing and monetization, really just, a, I, I would almost call it a personal branding agency in some respects, but there, that's quite interesting. Do you think all of those things helped you almost calmly sit back and th say, okay, here's my skill set. I know these people, this person is, is a great business partner, you know, for me, given our, given our skill sets and how those combine and you're able to, to survey and say, that's the opportunity there. Yeah. Was it beneficial? Absolutely. I mean, it's when you think about it, every different, if you just look at it from the agency world and even from the business world in general, 
you can take someone that owns this business over here and put them in this other business that's in a completely unrelated niche or whatever an industry and the vast majority of the skills are going to apply over because biz dev and sales and everything those are transferable you're just selling something different you know so whenever the content agency came along it was like the perfect moment it was like the perfect storm because during like this time it was like what 2021 ish middle 2021 something like that it was like the perfect storm of like tiktok was so hot the the coaching space was blowing up and we were like oh i know how to build these brands i can certainly build a team around it i know how to get appointments it's very easy for me you know how to sell you know how to build offers um let's let's just attack this opportunity because we we were prepared with all the necessary skills like we could have went and done like facebook ads for dentists but sure everyone's doing that for years it's not a it's not yeah. a it's not a hot niche that you could hop on and be one of the first movers. I think Hormozzi even talks about that. Maybe hundred million dollar offers. You need to be like a first mover. Yeah. If you are a first mover on a niche, it's like it's a hundred times easier. And it was kind of like the perfect storm. We're like, oh, we have all the pieces necessary to actually do this, and we were able to scoop up so many clients. Like our first month was ridiculous. <laughs> it was fucking crazy. Like we signed like maybe fifteen clients in like the first month. It was fucking crazy. It was insane. Wow. All with fat retainers. Um, just from like the outreach and the fact that everyone, everyone just wanted what we had. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like, it was the perfect storm. Like the, 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 basically we put in the time the years before learning sales, learning lead gen, learning all this stuff. And whenever the perfect opportunity came along, we could hop on it. And then the fact that our, our skills met this, this hot opportunity, just a rocket from there. So yeah, hundred percent. Very interesting. Yeah. And I, that's quite interesting as well 15 clients in the first month how did you figure out that you were saying you're on the service delivery side as well and you're putting on that what was that like bro that shit was fucking crazy that was so crazy like because it was a combination of our personal brands getting us leads and also just the outreach as well i was doing and uh from service delivery side like we just had to build a team so fast like it was i was like right i need to hire people to help me write these these because i was writing all the videos at the beginning i was doing calls with clients telling them to do this and do that and, you know, coaching them through all the stuff. I was like, right, we, we quickly need to hire people to help me, you know, come up with ideas. We quickly need to hire people to, to edit the videos really high quality. And then we just did that from the beginning. So, like, I was actually out of the, the nitty gritty service delivery relatively fast. And I would just sort of sit back on a more strategic level, you know, approving the ideas for the videos. Yeah. Make sure that the, the videos are actually going to work you know, critiquing the edits, training the editors to edit in the style that I wanted them to. So I, I quickly got out of the trenches because we scaled so fast. I was like, right, we can't. And because I've done this so many times before, I'm like, right, there's no point in staying in the trenches for longer than you need to because as soon as your bandwidth is taken up with that hands-on stuff, you can't focus on other areas and the business will start to crumble. So we quickly yeah. hired people. We quickly trained up this team and we had quite a few ups and downs. Like we even had some people come in, try to steal our clients, shit like that. Um, like literally get on yeah. calls to clients and be like, oh, hey, I can do this for you for like uh, a little bit less money, blah, blah, blah. And our oh. client, she's like one of the biggest coaches in her respective niche. She's done like something like 40, 50 million the past two years. Like she's cr- she's crazy. She's crazy. Um, wow. But she's such a loyal client because we we given her such a good service that when that employee was basically like, you know, come work for me, she literally told us immediately. She, she texted us and was like, hey, just so you know, uh, one of your team members just tried to steal me as a client, but I'm loyal to you guys. Just thought you should know. 
we fired that person immediately. We literally got on a call and be like, yeah, this is not how things are done. Like you're gone, you're done. Like, yeah. So we wow. have so many ups and downs when it comes to like building out the teams, but we had to do that immediately. It was so crazy. Another thing I'd nearly be jealous of there is like the speed and just that emotional roller coaster because it, it's, it, it, that literally is almost when you, when you look back on things, it's what you're most proud of is just all of the, all the shit that has happened on the way up, you know, as, as you've gone there. I've never had that now in terms of a, a staff member trying to trying to just poach a client there. It's crazy. But, it's crazy. You have to be, you have to be careful, some. especially when you're like, you're trying to hire people who think they want to be entrepreneurs. This is like a big mistake no one should make. Unless you're like really big and you want to kind of have like a CEO, I guess. Like you want to avoid people who are have like entrepreneurial tendencies. You want to more focus on hiring people who want to just be an employee they just want to work for you they don't want to eventually go do their own thing and it's something i vet for really heavily when we're hiring specialists yeah. because a lot of specialists know i can just go do this for myself like they know that like they know there's it's so easy to to go find a client these days but it's it's a million times harder to to run a successful business so you want to make it yeah. you want to make it lucrative for these specialists to actually stay with you and just be loyal to you and, and you know and we really vet heavy for any kind of inkling that these people might want to just come in, steal our shit, and then dip. We, we vet for that. That's so it. we never hire those kind of people. Never, never. It's massive. Yeah. And so then as well, this is an, an interesting thing to touch on because we, we do the same. And I, I have so much trust in all of our team. But it's that they have really lofty goals because people might hear that. They might think, okay, entrepreneurial tendencies aren't good. But those aren't the only sort of high kind of aspirational tendencies that you have out there like for instance one of our one of our guys sean like in in future he wants to he wants to run a business he wants to run a, like a freestyle wrestling gym he's he has like a jiu-jitsu purple belt he, yep. he, he competes in, M in mma and stuff like that and he's he, he's he's a killer but for him you can like he like he has high aspirations in nearly other yep. areas of life you know you have certain people who you know you could offer someone this kind of progression path into into being let's say uh, and I suppose a leadership level of the team or kind of a senior member of the team. But for some people that actually may not be what they want for some people, yeah. it's they want that lifestyle so they can work, let's say X amount of hours and then they can just focus on, yeah. let's say it's training jujitsu or something like that. Mm -hmm. The other thing, regardless of what people put out there is like, if you run a business, it is you, you, you are not working like a couple of hours a day. That just yeah. really isn't, isn't the way it is. The, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a style for a lot of people like entrepreneurialism because you know, Somebody says, I want to be an entrepreneur because I want freedom. But like you just said, you will have less freedom. If you want your business to be successful, you're going to work more. You're going to work harder. It's going to be way more stressful. There's more on the line. Like you can't just – like if you're working a job, you can literally like coast for years and just stay hired, still keeping your money coming in. But if you have a business, you can't coast. You literally can't – like yeah. you coast, it dies. It's, that's entropy. You know, if you, if you leave something to itself, it just gets worse. You know, it just deteriorates. And so like some people, they think – I really want to be an entrepreneur, but what they really want are like certain lifestyle uh, benefits. So it's not necessarily they want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe they want to work remote. Maybe they want to have a flexible schedule. Maybe they want to be able to make money from anywhere. Maybe they want to have a scalable income. And so when you're hiring like these specialist people, and like this is good what you're saying about your, your man that wants to run the wrestling gym. It's good. It means yeah. different verticals. So it's not really suspicious that he has like entrepreneurial tendencies. But like if I'm interviewing somebody and they're like, yeah, I do this. And it's similar to what I do. And they're just like, yeah, I want to have my own business the same as your business. I'm like, huh, interesting. Okay, so like, why do you want to work for me? You know, do you want to come in here and like try and steal everything? So like, we're super, 
we keep a really close eye on that because we don't want, and of course we make people sign like non-compete agreements and things like that. Um, but I'm very cautious about that because also some people, you know, if you're having an employee that just needs to do what you say for lack of a better phrase, they don't like if, if you are telling them it needs to be done like this. They want to act like it's their business and like, no, well, I want to do it like that. It's like, hey, well, this is the way I need you to do it, please. So please do it. You know, so you need to be kind of careful, you know, between it's, it's a, it's a fine line because you want the people to have, you know, this free thought where they come up with creative solutions to problems and they come up with new things that you didn't think of. But if they're just touching over the line of like, Hey, I want to do my own thing. Then it's like, it's a problem because if you're like on a, like a sports team, right? just somebody on the team yeah. isn't doing what the coach or the captain says. Well, it's just it's not going to help. It's not going to work. You, you need to buy into the to the team, and you need to take le- leadership from the people at the top. And if you have someone who's like a like a what's the word like a, a like a mutineer, like a mutiny, you yeah. you need to get that person off the boat because that person is going to infect the rest of the team. So, and that's what happened with that with that scenario where the person tried to steal our client. We kind of just ignored some red flags in the beginning, and then obviously they tried to steal a client, which uh, you know, and we we promptly fired them. So like you learn these lessons each time. It's it's the yeah. same as like having previous agencies. You learn all these lessons, and then when you're in the same business, you're making fuck ups all the time. You're like, all right, we know to look out for that next time, next time, next time. You're always literally learning like what to look out for and what to avoid, and it's why some of these like super much older guys in business are just savages. They can just walk over everybody because yeah. they've seen every little angle, every little deception, every little you know nice word, every little lie. Like they've just seen it so much, they could just walk over people, and and that's come through being literally fucked over so many times. You you become jaded. Me and Kaz talk about this a lot. Like you can become quite yeah. jaded as a business owner. Like you're just being constantly shit is thrown thrown at you, and you kind of lose like a little bit of optimism sometimes. And obviously, you need to try and keep that in check. But you can become really jaded. But it's through those processes and those failures that you become super seasoned and super experienced that you can see like 20 steps ahead. Be like, all right, I've seen that before. I know it's going to come. Here's how we stay away from that that problem and actually yeah. push ahead. That's why these older guys can run over everybody. Very interesting. Yeah, there. I, I also find that to be such a when you see that trait in someone where you where you know that they almost know what you're thinking. We we're we're beginning with a, a brand now who actually one of the the, the people we're dealing with is actually from let's say where exactly he's from kind of it's from near, near enough near enough to to actually where you're from oh really um and just an absolute g in terms of like just kind of came came inbound through someone through someone else that he works with and knew he knew that they wanted to work with us but just no bullshit straight down to brass tacks knew we we're we we're good and I was almost thinking back after the the couple of conversations we had, and I was like, "There's almost nothing. There's not. There's almost no trait I would desire more than to have just seen it all." In the yeah. sense that that those those wrinkles in the brow, that just that, that inability to kind of be fucked over because you have been fucked over so many times, yeah. is it's a G trait for sure. Yeah, like if you um, try to go into business with like a lawyer, for example, there's no way you're going to be able to fuck over a lawyer. They've just seen so much. Like they've seen how people can be fucked over in a million different ways just through their job, you know? So like you couldn't, you couldn't get one over that kind of person. It's the same with these business guys. They've seen it all. They've done it all. You can't get one over on them. And so, yeah, like that, that'll be us. Yeah. And that'll be us in, in a couple of decades. A couple of decades away. That's it. And 
I, I'm interested there, and I'm sure a ton of people listening would be interested here as well, because obviously the the predominant skill, even within, of course, with the service delivery for, for your clients, but then also with your own personal brand yeah. is obviously your, your, your knowledge and content marketing, that yeah. kind of thing. And that kind of came on fast because, you know, I've been seeing your Twitter over the years, really Twitter was your, was your predominant platform. And then yeah. it seemed like you'd, you've been learning a ton about content marketing. And then one, one day, I think I, maybe it was, it was your Instagram primarily, you were blowing up on TikTok at the time, I remember, but it was when your Instagram started to really pop. And I was like, damn, Shaw is, is crushing it here. I mean, yeah. how, I guess, how, how, how long did that take in terms of you? I, I think inherently as well, you have that, you have those marketing chops, which enable you to potentially just kind of get it that bit quicker. But how did how did that happen? How did that skill set sort of arise over time, particularly in the in the video content, you know, more than anything? Yeah, so I actually struggled to tweet. Like it's tough for me to tweet because I'm like, you know, everyone has their different style of, you know, you know, studying, different style of, you know, presenting, all these different things. It's hard for me to write what's in my head, but it's easy for me to say it. It's easy for me mm-hmm. to say it in an in an attractive way, and you know, in a in a way that garners attention. It's hard for me to write yeah. it. I don't know why. Even though I grew like, you know, 10,000 followers, whatever on Twitter, it took me a very long time. Like I think over the past, what, three years, it took me to get to 10K and people have done that in like a month, you know? Whereas like yeah. IG, whenever my account started popping off, it literally took me two months to get to 60K. And my TikTok took a month and a half to get to 30K and now it's at like 90 or something. So it's much easier for me to translate it into, it's, it's a much better medium for me to actually communicate my thoughts and ideas. And that helps a lot. Um, and so, and in the beginning, it was literally just like trial and error because I was posting for a long time and getting like almost no traction. Maybe, maybe I'd have a video here or there that would do 20K, 40K, 50K views. But, you know, it never really, it never really popped. And then at one point I kind of, and I never really wanted to do face videos because I was like, I didn't want to be public at that point. I was actually at home for like a long time. And um and so I was trying to figure out a creative ways to basically, you know, have content, have video content. And I was, uh, I don't know if I was, was the first, but I was certainly one of the first because I independently came up with this idea by myself. Maybe other people had as well. I don't know. But I came up with a style where I would create this really nice presentation on the laptop screen with like GIFs and memes and, you know, videos and everything. And I would just film that. And I would play my voiceover and then I would just click through the presentation to match what I was saying in the words. So uh, that's actually how I, how I gained my first 15 to 20K on TikTok just by these laptop anonymous videos. And we did the same thing for uh, Cody my wizard, Daniel Fazio. Because like, he, yeah. he also wanted to be anal at one point. No, he's not, obviously. So we did the same thing. We just made these laptop videos and he got like 15K in two, three weeks. Like, so I found this style that worked. And once I had the style that worked, I was starting to experiment with different video ideas. So I was, I was learning about hooks. I was learning about how to keep attention. I was learning about the edits that we needed to do, what needed to be on screen to actually keep that attention in. And I would notice literally video to video, even if videos were super similar, one would pop off and one wouldn't. And then I'd be able to identify that little piece that I think made the difference. Okay. Don't know what happened there. We had a little bit of a technical glitch. Um, so it could be a little bit out of sync in the recording, but it won't be a problem. Of course, we remember exactly where we were. We're absolute Fair. professionals. Uh, so, so we remember exactly where we were <laughs> in the conversation. But uh, uh, obviously, you were talking about that style of content that you've done for yourself and also for, for Faz. And to me, it, because that, that was almost in, in a certain corner of, of 
of I suppose business style content. That's kind of an iconic style of video. I can even I can even picture the the keynote style going along and yeah. and going through the slides. I think for what did that do for Faz? Did that get him like twenty k followers and like? I think we got him content? like either fifteen or sixteen k followers in like two to three weeks and like four four or five million views or something like that. It was great, like it was insane, you know. Um, and honestly, if if we had kept at it, you know, we could actually have taken it to insane levels. But you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you just don't you know, keep all clients. But you know, that would have went insane. And yeah. So we kind of well, I I pioneered that strategy for myself, and that was kind of around about the time where I was like, right, well, we could actually offer this to people because I was I just learned so fast on how to actually make this content, and then I was assisting like a couple of my other friends like on how to do do it on their side. And um, I was like, right, well, we could sell this. And so me and Kaz got talking and you yeah. know, that's kind of like how the whole content agency started. And and I actually, I think we were probably like the first content agency. From what I've seen, like especially on Twitter we were, and we probably spawned like, yeah, we definitely. Spawned like all these other ones because they seen what we were doing. And like in hindsight, maybe we should have made it so public how well we were doing because everyone just jumped in and fucking, you know, spoiled the offer. But the good thing is that we actually know what the fuck we're doing and we're like complete professionals and like all these other little kids, they just don't know what they're doing. They're just, yeah. they're, they're just pushing the most commoditized thing possible and they're not professionals. They don't know how to actually get mon like monetary results. Like no one really gives a fuck about views and likes, like realistically, it's how can you actually convert that into yeah. a monetary ROI? Otherwise you will, you will have a very hard time keeping a client that's paying you a fat retainer every month if they're not getting a tangible ROI from your service. And they could be making money. They just don't know that those leads, for example, came from your content. You need a way to track that. And so if you actually are able to show a client, this is how much money what we did for you made, then you're never going to lose a client in your life because if you can make them more money than they're paying, obviously they're never going to leave. So... That's why yeah. we're going to be sounding head and shoulders above all the other little kids that are just like pushing this because they just don't understand. They've only been in the game like a couple of months. They don't have the same business experience that we have to actually service clients and, and give them this like legitimately world-class experience. Like they feel like they're being guided through like a five-star spa. Like literally the way we've curated our entire experience from onboarding the first hundred days of client experience. It's like they're just being guided through like a five-star resort, like, Weighted on hand and foot, they barely have to lift a finger. Like that's the way we wanted it to be. So it's a super like premium feeling experience. And like if someone's paying you like a lot of money each month, they want to see that. They want to feel like they're in a really professional organization. They want to feel like the money that they're paying is going somewhere to actually serve them well. It's not just going in your pocket and then you hire some shitty freelancers. No, like the money's coming in my pocket and I'm spending most of it to give you a, a, an insane experience with my employees, my full-time employees, we don't hire fucking freelancers. Everyone's full-time with us. Mm -hmm. And they, they give this insane experience. And that's the difference between these commoditized agencies and every agency, every agency in the space versus the people that are actually serious. The, the big agency guys like, you know, Adam Parr, like Carl Weish, like who else? Like all these guys, yeah. these proper big guys, they just have this super clean, high quality white glove experience that you know that, you know why you're paying the big money. Because you're getting the results and you have this crazy client experience, you just feel comfortable. You feel safe. Whereas like these little kids, they just don't know how to do any of that. And they think they can just, you know, build a crazy agency, but they just need, they haven't learned the actual essence of running a really high quality agency. 
so true man that's that's an insane i suppose that's an insane just just piece of content there i suppose <laughs> that, that, that you're kind of getting across i mean in that client experience yeah dude that's so important i mean from from day one as well that has to be really on the ball and you have to you know in that period as well yes a client may have signed on but in that first month they're not yet yeah. sold they're absolutely not yet sold and so for them it has to be this yeah almost <laughs> i suppose you know coddling sort of experience just along the line making sure they're okay at, at various points over communicating yeah. you know getting things done even strategic things that we do personally where we say it's going to take this long to get the flows live and then purposely yeah. get them quicker than we said you were going to it's different things like that to curate that yeah. experience um i suppose i'm sure that's evolved for you over time and maybe th there are specific things i'm sure you don't you don't want to give away in that process but how did that evolve over time as well was this you know different just incremental gains where you're thinking right this could be interesting i could maybe even send a gift at this point and this will come yeah. on this day or or we say, you know, initial batch of content will be live at this point, but then we actually get it, we get, actually get it done ahead of schedule yeah. and, and different things like that. Have you, have you, is that something you're constantly working on? It's literally on? all of those things. Like in, even in the sales process, we're just like, so, um, what's the word? We're so clear, like trying to be almost like pessimistic about results, but like, Hey, look, just so you know, this is like a long-term thing. Like you gotta be patient for results, blah, blah, blah. But you know, we obviously tell them that, look, here's what we did for other people in these, these sort of timeframes. That's what we're, this is what we're capable of, but I don't want to get your hopes up. Cause like, this is like a long-term thing and they get it right. They're like hundred percent understand it. So they don't come in with their expectations level. Right. And then we give them like this five-star experience where like my team will get on calls with them immediately and guide them through everything. We have video super short videos basic like explaining in such simple terms how our like project management system works how how the whole you know company works in terms of like who you can talk to for what like everything is curated and then we send them gifts you know when they sign up and that's actually a big thing you should send gifts because we had this one client where it was actually a, at a point where we were switching project management from you know one system to another like a more advanced system and we hadn't got it dialed in. And so the onboarding for this new client was kind of like rocky. It wasn't bad, but it just wasn't clean. It wasn't smooth. And so she was actually kind of upset yeah. about that. And then we already had a gift in the mail. She literally sent like an upset message to me privately on Slack. And then the same day she posted in our main channel, like how happy she was because this crazy gift showed up. She was like, oh my God, this is insane. Like, I can't believe that you've just given, oh, this is, oh my God, I love you guys, love you guys. I was like, oh, it just turned everything around, you know, just like, just this little thing. And we kind of tie the, the gifts to like a certain goal. So we say, right, whenever you get there, this gift is for that moment, you know, so care, like don't use it now. Um, and so, you know, we have this whole process from the beginning right through like the first hundred days of, what can we do at each point to keep a client? Because you don't lose a client in like the ninth month, 10th month, 11th month. They're sold at that point. You lose them in like the first 90 days to 120 days. Like that's when you, that's when you lose them because yeah. they're still not like, that's like the dating phase. That's like you meet a chick and like, maybe you don't, you don't know how well it's going to go. And then things fizzle out. You stop dating. Whereas like if you're dating a chick for over a year, it's like, you're more likely to keep going with that chick. Like it's, it's just like you, you know her yeah. well enough that you feel comfortable to keep her around. Like you, you're not like nothing has, has flagged up to you to that point where you need to get rid of her. She's there. She's been there for a while. So things are obviously going good enough that you want to keep her around. Same with the agency. Like if you get a client to like that stage, the only thing you can do to lose that client is by just not getting results, not keeping everything up. But in that first like six months, 
you need to be, well, the first 100 days specifically, you, you're in the dating stage. You need to do, pull out all the stops to impress these people. And I'll even do things like, I'll just go through each and every one of our clients and just send them voice messages and be like, hey, John, I was just thinking about you. Here's some ideas that I have. And I'll just go through one by one. It'll be like a Saturday afternoon. I'll be like, I was just thinking about you when I was on my, on my walk. And here's like a bunch of ideas I have. I'm going to talk to you, but I'll talk to you about them on uh, the call on Monday or whatever. Just like let them know that you're thinking. Like imagine like you were a client and someone hit you up out of the blue. Like I was thinking about you. Like, like all my time off when I was at the gym, I was thinking about you when I technically was not supposed to be thinking about you. So they feel taken care of, yeah. you know, like they're like, oh, that was, that felt nice. Like that was good. Like that's impressive that they're constantly thinking about me and want my success and then plugging them into other people like, oh, shall I have this problem with like our closers? They're not closing enough. I'm like, well, I know sales guys that I can plug you in with. They'll find you new closers, whatever. Like I'll help you with whatever you need because if they have a problem in this other area, it might affect what we're doing because if they're like, oh, my sales guys can't close. But we're, you know, we're driving people specifically to this offer and like we're getting people in the offer, but no one's closing. What's well, a problem for us too? So it's like, all right, well, we need to fix that as well. Yeah. So like, let's, let's jump in and let's find you someone at least if we can't fix it directly, let's, let me find you something, re someone really good that can fix it for you. And we're always just constantly trying to make this experience as, as seamless for our clients as possible. So like, I know I rambled a lot, but that's, you know, that's, a, that's a, a, an overview of it. Yeah, but but it's such a good description, and it, and it's interesting even hearing there for anyone listening. Notice how that's not necessarily, you know, vast chunks of that. They're not necessarily an SOP of sorts, right? They're, that is literally caring about your client. That's it. It's it's a mindset thing more there. Yes, you have the specific things that you do, but there, it's it's that mindset of okay, how can I get my clients the best results possible? And that is just going to lend the experience towards being the best it can possibly be because you actually yeah. just give it like shit. your clients pay your rent, bro. Like they fucking pay. Your... So many guys like hit like fifty G's a month and then they become like they feel like they're above their clients. Like oh, I'm so much better than you because I'm doing this for like they pay your rent, bro. Like you need to treat them like they're like like you're the owner of a five star hotel. Like they are your fucking client like they you want they're like your child almost like you want to care for them you want to like look after them in every like regard because they're paying you a lot of money a lot of guys get to this big level and then they start you know having these crazy lifestyles and like they neglect their clients they're not active on slack you know they don't have they obviously need team members to do that as well but to be the founder and still actually also be active like that is what's that's that's what really gets you hooked in like if you're in like a fancy restaurant right and yes like the the, the waiters are highly professional. The, the guy serving you wine is is elite. You know, he's like a real connoisseur and like every part of the restaurant is perfect, right? But what makes it even better when the when the owner walks up to your table and be like, hey, my name's Mario. I own the, the restaurant. How is everything for you guys tonight? Ha <laughs> ha, have a little bit of banter back and forth. That just puts the cherry on top of the whole experience. So like you need to understand that whenever you yeah. build like this team, it's like, and you're the founder, you don't want to be completely away from the clients. You want to be like popping in every like fairly regular just to check up on everything like hey i know we had a bit of a problem i'm personally going to look into it like me the owner the founder the the number one guy in the company i'm going to sit down today and block off like two three hours just to go through this one specific problem i'll even get on a call with you like you want them to feel like you're the owner walking up to the table at the restaurant to make sure everything's good let me bring you some water let me do like the smallest thing for you 
that I could get one of my employees to do, but I'm going to do it for you. It just makes them feel like, yeah. and it's not hard either. It's not difficult. Like it's so easy. I'll check in with clients okay, every now and then, just like, is there, is there anything I can help you with? Any problems in your business whatsoever? doesn't even need to be related to what we do. What's the problems? Let me see if I can help, like in any sense. And like, yeah, I could get my employees to do that. But the fact that I'm doing it just, it screams like, it just screams that you care about them. And it's just, it's just these little things that improve your retention because you want to be making it a super five-star experience. Really like people don't understand the term of white glove. People say, oh, it's a white glove service. Is it though? Is it, is it walking into like the, you know, what's like a fancy hotel in London, like the, the four seasons or something or whatever. And you're going to get mm-hmm. like waiting on hand and foot. Like, is it like that? But in the agency world, if it's not, then it's not white glove. You need to just be trying to curate this super good experience for your clients at every moment. They need to feel like they are like VIPs. Such a high level insight. And there I can just feel the experience off that. I just feel years of experience coming out in those insights. And what do you notice? It's not fancy. Look how, look how sick I am. And I mean, like I, I know, I know of course you the, the that you guys, yourself and Kazi, and with the agency, that you guys are absolutely crushing it. You're at a level that a lot of these people who are, who are flexing that they they are nowhere near and will probably never get anywhere near. And here, you're not coming across as brash. Look at me. Look how successful I am. You're like, no. Here's here's how I curate the experience. Here's how here's how I care care about clients, and that's what's gotten you to that level. And that's what people don't understand. You have to do what got you to the dance yeah. in the first place. And so, man, that that's that's quite fascinating. And this, this is interesting. I notice this even sometimes with a bit more like older dudes in particular, <laughs> when you work with them, they really appreciate yeah. that. We actually, we have another client who, I, I, they, they're literally about 20 minutes from your hometown. All your like, clients are up in right Northern Ireland, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we actually have, I think we have oh, three really? in the North. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have three in the North. Yeah. So, but, but they're for them, you know, every, so, you know, I, I still get on the, the client calls and things like that. And even, even though I'm, I'm not the one who, who I'm not, let's say the founder who's extremely service delivery heavy, that is other Connor, but you know, they, I can just tell when I, when I get on the calls, it's, you know, I'm not the one running through the account and I'm not, I'm not the one doing any of that. And to be honest, we don't even really talk about the account because results are good and they just, they really enjoy the, just the relationship aspect of it, but it gives that extra lift yeah. to the call. I feel they're like, yeah, this is, this is, these are the people we have the relationship with and you can see that they'll never leave. And so, yeah, that's, that's, it sounds so basic, but you realize that the people at the highest level are doing the basics at an extremely high level. It's not that they're doing ridiculously fancy things. It's that they do the basics to an extremely high degree. Exactly. Quite but I would also put a, put a caveat on this. If a lot of people drink the agency Kool-Aid and think you can never sell an agency, but you can, you actually can. A lot of guys sell agency. And so there is a caveat to that. We're like, yes, you want to be a visible founder, like checking in and giving them this amazing experience, but you also need to, you need to also be able to just have your team to a certain level where they could do all of that themselves. So the client isn't so dependent on you like, Oh, well, if Sean leaves the company, am I still going to get the same results? I'm still going to get like, you still need to curate it in a way where like, Yes, you're checking in and yes, you're making them feel good. And yes, you're, you know, you're, you're showing that you care, but you also need to have high quality team members where they feel like even if I wasn't here, well, they're still being looked at, looked after by these people. These people are still showing to the calls and give them everything they need and, you know, checking in on them as well and making sure like the process is moving along smoothly. Like they also need to feel like the whole system isn't dependent on you. Cause if you do want to sell your agency, which is possible, a lot of guys don't think it is, but certainly yeah. possible. 
um, that's what you'd need because a lot of buyers, they're not going to look at you as uh, for an acquisition if they feel like you cannot be removed. If you're like, if you leave the agency and all your clients are like, Oh, I'm done. Shaw's gone. Therefore I don't want to stay. That's bad. Like you still want to be able to have a quality team in place where even if you did sell and move on, then they would still be happy to stay because the, the team that you build, they've also built yeah. a relationship with them and they trust them to give you results. So there is a balance to be struck. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> and I 100% agree. 100% agree. Yeah. And how sick is it when you go to a client call and let's say a team member is running through things and they're doing it better than you could actually oh, do it yourself. It's you're so, like, you're like, bro. Right now, I don't even need to worry about our, like, like I said, a while ago, we had one team member try to steal a client. Right now, I never have to worry about that. I feel so confident in our team members. Like I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with them going on calls without me, going on calls without our operations manager, without anyone babysitting them. I just know that they can do it because the amount of compliments that I've had privately in Slack from clients about like how things run, like it makes me feel comfortable. So for example, like we had this one client and he's one of my favorite clients because he's just super, he's just got such a great personality. You feel happy when you talk to him. And he's yeah. a movie producer in Hollywood and he's worked on like Oscar, Oscar winning productions, <clears throat> documentaries and like literally movies you fucking know, like that are like famous as fuck. Yeah. Um, and he's worked on all those and he complimented us like really uh, extensively on like how smooth everything went. Imagine like a Hollywood producer who's used to like literally organizing multi, multi-million dollar movies. It's like, yo, your processes are smooth. Like things run smoothly around here. I'm like, oh shit. Like that's like in the world of like creating media, that's literally, you can't get a higher compliment than that. Like our operations are so fucking smooth that this guy who's been involved with Oscar winning productions likes it. Like he's not like, this could be better. He's like, this is fucking perfect. You know? So like that's part of the experience as well. That's insane. I mean, look, we're we're com- we're coming to we're coming up, up on time here, and, and I want to. I guess I have one more question, which is still related to service delivery, and then and we, we can wrap things up. But but here, as but I guess kind of last thing, which we, we touched on, and we, we got into, I guess I guess client management more than anything. But you you touched on it there, that concept of you know impressions, likes. Yep. These things do not always equate to actual dollars, and so. How do you guys, so the way that you guys structure things, of course, you're blowing up personal brands, but of course the end function of this is that generally the clients that you guys will work with, let's say they have backend offers, they have, you know, sales systems that you're also helping them out with and that you're helping them build and that you're, let's say, even plugging people into and different things like that. And, and it, it is, it is end to end in terms of you, you know, growing these businesses, I guess in there that there are so many misconceptions around that side of content you can see posts that do not let's say get a huge amount of engagement they can book a ton of calls generate a ton of dms and and these kind of things so how i suppose you know how do you think about personal branding for people who let's say have that let's say offers on the back end whether it's a low ticket or even you know coming up coming up into into a high ticket offer as well that people yeah so it's kind of uh, an interesting one because I personally don't even really like TikTok that much, especially for monetization for like personal brands. It's just an awareness play. The way that the app is set up, it's not built for nurturing. It's not built for, you know, selling. It's not built for, you can't literally can't DM anyone. You have to be following each other to DM someone. So it does it just by that logic, it doesn't work for monetization. It's just purely for awareness, right? IG and LinkedIn is better and Facebook as well. Way better for monetization because they have good DM structures. They have, you know, story functions. They have live 
TikTok has live stream as well, but it just has more features that makes it easier to monetize. And in terms of personal brands, like I guess so many people try to, so in the beginning, right? When you're, when you're posting videos on like reels and TikTok, the algorithm literally doesn't give a shit about like the fact that you posted a video and every video you put out, they'll test it to like an audience of like a hundred people, right? And then if a certain percentage watch it, they'll push it out to a bit more. Same story again, the certain percentage watch more, 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 and so on and so forth. But if in that first hundred views, you don't hit this particular target that TikTok or IG wants for viewers, it's, you're just going to be stuck at a hundred. And if you do that too many times over the course of like a couple of weeks, they're not just, they're just be like, all right, this person makes bad content. We're not going to push them out. And that's what a shadow ban is, right? It's just, you put out shit content for too long yeah. and TikTok doesn't want to show you anymore. So what I actually advise for a lot of people is don't try to highly stick to a niche in the beginning. You can just look at other creators that are in your niche and you'll notice that not every single video is here's three tips to get better deliverability for your emails. Here's how to design your emails better. Like it's not all actionable. Sometimes it's stories from like their travels. Sometimes it's like an out of the box opinion, like a really hard line opinion. Like I think this, everyone else is wrong. Um, that controversy, like they're not always trying to give you value, right? Because the value videos in the beginning are way harder to get traction on than some other kinds of videos. So it's actually, and I'm not saying it's impossible. It's certainly possible. I did it, but I've seen so many times that if you lean more into like a slightly outside of the box idea for like, let's say, you know, two or three out of five videos is an out of the box idea that might actually, um, that might actually get a lot more views more easily than like a value video. Do that until you get like a hundred K view video. Now you're in the algorithm. Now, once you post a value video after that hundred K video, now you're going to see that that value video will just automatically by default, get more views. Like it might only be like a thousand, but at least it's better than a hundred, you know, like you're actually bumped yeah. up in the algorithm. It's like right six. So now, you know, I'm going to post like two value videos and then another out of the box video. That's not necessarily inside my niche. Cause I'm just trying to attract views and trying to t attract attention. Right. Because if you look at all the big personal brands in the world, like Grant and Hormozy and Hormozy literally went on a series where he went around gas stations trying to find like protein. What the fuck has that got to do with like a hundred million dollar offers or, or whatever? It's not, it's just a, it's a personal branding play. And those videos are probably some of his biggest, highest viewed videos. Now it's slightly different from somebody at his level. That's like got such a bigger person, you know, personal brand. But you can still apply the same tactics. Like not everything needs to be a hyper value video, right? It can be slightly funny, but still within your niche kind of. It can be entertaining. People want to be entertained more than they want to learn. So if your videos are just purely dry, here's three tips for how to blah, blah, blah. Boring as fuck. Everyone's doing that. Everyone's got the same videos sitting like this. Captions here. You know, blah, blah, blah. Like it's the same shit. You need to come up with a different angle. And the way I was able to do that was with these laptop videos where I was filming the laptop and had the, the GIFs and the memes on screen. Like I'm giving value talking, but the memes and the GIFs and the funny stuff on screen is, is keeping people entertained. So you need to find an, a way to add some kind of entertaining element to your videos. And, you know, for, for me, it's actually quite, kind of funny because I don't really need to post like niche value to get social proof for what I do. I just need to get views. Because if someone sees my profile and like, oh, Shaw got this video to a million views, even though the, the views was about like how to make friends in like a city, how to make rich friends in a city, which is actually true. I got a million view video, how to meet rich friends in your city. I remember that video. And it got like a million views, but it's nothing to do with like what I do, but it proves that 
I know how to make videos pop off. Like I understand how it works. So for me, I'm kind of in a unique situation where I don't even need to post niche videos, but the, 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 the same logic still applies. If you have an email agency, post a video outside of the box, maybe it gets a million views, but now you've got attention. Now you're in the algorithm that's good. Now when you post a three tips video or whatever, now it's actually gonna get way more views. So don't be so fixated on the value videos, be more fixated on just trying to get views right away as fast as you can and then go value because you'll by default get more attention. Damn, that makes a ton of sense. It's a ton of sense. Dude, we're, we're, we're coming up on time here. I guess like final, well, I guess final question, question, of course, we'll, we'll ask at the end, but you have obviously a ton of options. Like you have like a super successful agency. You're a very skilled entrepreneur. Like even mm-hmm. after, you know, four or five years of, of doing this potentially a bit longer with, with kind of background. I guess what's the vision over let's say the next even year or two like where do you want to where do you want to take things and then even potentially beyond that what, what do you see on the horizons for, for i've honestly never been the kind of guy that's like here's my five-year plan like i i've just so much has changed for me like in in years like if i have a plan then things completely change so i've never been that guy to be like here's the five-year thing but right now i just want to work with like bigger and bigger names like we work with like some really big entrepreneurs in their respective niches and we're starting to tap into more mainstream uh, clients and I want to keep tapping into more of those. I want to be like the number one, you know, provider for this kind of service, right? Uh, so that's my immediate goal, just to get this this business to, to work with like the, the proper, real mainstream people. And then from there, who knows, like what kind of opportunities that can come up, you know? Um, but I, I'm just happy to, to run this business. You know, I don't have some grand scheme in mind. You know, I'm not like the five, 10 year plan kind of guy. It's just make more money, make my clients happier and, you know, still have fun like along the way still travel still meet my friends you know i'm not trying to i'm not on some like heroic mission <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. i'm not on a heroic mission to uh you know change the world or whatever i'm just trying to make more money and keep the clients happy so like that's pretty much it i love that keep yeah. keeping it real as always so like i'll vouch as well like guys where, where you can find shaw is of course on twitter at shawpreneur and and on TikTok and Instagram as well. I highly vouch for all of his content. I mean, for me personally as well, as I've grown my own business, there's very few people I really listen to. Shaw is one of them. Um, and so across Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, where where else could people find you? What, yeah, what other Twitter, platforms Twitter, Instagram, you, TikTok. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I have a Telegram as well. So if you go to any yeah. of those channels, you can join the free Telegram and I just drop voice notes and long form messages in there just about what I'm thinking, lessons and shit like that. So if that's interesting, you can you can join that too. It's free. Absolutely. I'm actually in that telegram and I <laughs> so so there so there so there again yeah guys shopper on all platforms on Twitter TikTok Instagram highly recommend all any of those platforms follow them up um and yeah the free telegram is amazing so so yeah Shaw thanks so much for coming on I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, yeah it was a fantastic interview